welcome to episode 15 of the Bryce Side Podcast. Try as I may, they're still trying to pull me back into that Oriole life. I did not know that I would create such a huge power vacuum when I left that Oreo slanging gang. I was under the assumption that one of my lieutenants could take it over but I guess he's struggling isn't that right end man I've been out of the Oreo game for four months now and I have to say I'm feeling good I don't know why They're trying so hard to pull me back in. Yes, I was all about that life pre-event happening. But thanks to discipline, I am on the road less taken in becoming bigger, faster, stronger, smarter than I've ever been. And I will not go back. Even on the anniversary of my birth, which recently happened, everyone was chomping at the bits, hoping I would give in to the weakness and have one little nibble of an Oreo cookie or a bag or a nice little baggie of Swedish fish. I stayed the course. I trained harder, ate clean, and went about my day. I'm not going to give in to weakness or the temptation of an old life because it might feel good for two minutes. Discipline isn't going to allow that. Sorry to break it to you guys, but when I said I was out of the Oreo life, I meant it. And I know it sucks because I was the one who put you on it. But that chapter in my life is closed.
All right, here is the special request story for that, hopefully, given some time, a Oreo kingpin in training in man. Here's the story of how I drove my truck off of 410. And yes, you heard correctly. Before we get there, you have to understand the vehicle, which was the root of this happy little accident, as Bob Ross would say. While in the Navy, I wanted to be completely frugal and not be tied down financially and have that weigh on my conscience when contemplating a re-enlistment without having the terms in my favor. The majority of the people that I was stationed with always said, well, I'm going to extend or do one more term until my car or house is paid off. I did not want to do that. So I, being the smart E3 at the time, decided to pay for a car at a government auction online. I purchased a 1984 white Ford Ranger that was being used by NASA at the time. And they had about 56,000 miles on it. Also, this car had no AC or a radio and it was somewhere in West Virginia and I was stationed in the Midwest and had to pay an additional $300 to have it shipped to me via truck transport on top of the $1,200 I paid for on the online auction. As I said before, Ford Ranger, it was a white exterior with, I guess, a blue vinyl interior with bench seat, single cab. Interesting fact, besides not having AC or air or radio, the horn was on the levers that you'd use for the windshield wiper in order to activate the horn, you had to push it in. I always thought that was weird. And it still said NASA, blah, 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 on the side of each door. So I went to the PX and got a can of white spray paint and just sprayed over the doors. And I just drove it as my beater car to get to work to go out and about on town 
Oh, and this car is also a carburetor, which sucks. We have to deal with cold starts in the morning. As I went towards my exodus in the Navy, I decided to pimp out my ride. Fresh new paint. I got some rims. I put some eights for speakers and I got a new CD player, the ones back in my day showing my age where you had the detachable faceplate so nobody would steal your shit. And I got a new grill on it too. Nothing fancy, just a standard stock 84 grill for a Ranger, but instead of being chrome, I just made it black. And I replaced the headlight or the rear light housings as well. So I'm out of the military, driving this car, feeling great. And at this time, I'm now a contractor working the night shift. And during this time, it was the air quotes winter in Texas. And there was a ice storm or severe icing on the road. And I worked a six to six, or I'm sorry, a 10 to 6 shift, which means 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. It's already dangerous enough as it is. I barely made it to work. And then I get off of work and I'm driving on 410. Now, as I'm driving on 410, they are now closing down 410 due to safety hazards. So just as I get on the on-ramp, there's people behind me laying down flares and roadblocks, completely oblivious on my end to even notice that. Driving on 410, about two exits away, and somehow I hit a patch black ice and I start and I start to skid and some people say you let the car realign itself or turn into the skid or yada 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 I remember some comedy skit with Kato Kalen saying turn into the skid so I turn into the skid and it's redirecting me to the side rail which is fine But in my mind, as this is happening super fast, but it's kind of slowed down, I started to analyze everything. And I was like, great, I'm skidding on 410 and I'm going to scrape up this brand new paint job that's not even really a month in on the thing. But I was like, eh, it's all right. I intend to trade up anyway so I'm going 410 east on this is it east no I think probably 410 west I don't know but I'm on the left side 
of the highway. About to hit the grind of the rail. I'm like, great, this is gonna be an ugly scratch on the front fender on my driver's side of my car, and I just can't not leave it. But anyway, that happens. But just as soon as the car just is about to skid against the side rail, it's like my car had a mind of its own and decided to flip and go hard right over a post on the opposite side over a bridge at 410 in Marbach. And the best way I can describe the feeling was if you were in a large industrial dryer and I was rotating slow motion until I crash landed upside down and now this is the part where Inman chuckled when I told him that immediately as I landed I again mind you I am upside down barely hanging on thanks to my seatbelt safety belt saves lives buckle up I put my car in park and then I turn it off while I'm upside down and luckily for me I always have an EDC in my backpack EDC acronym tactical people everyday carry I always follow rule 9 always carry a knife and it just so happened as I flipped upside down my backpack fell right next to me with my lunch a sandwich and a banana I grabbed my knife out of the front pocket and at this time it was kind of the Texas winter so I'm wearing my navy pea coat which by the way is the most expensive uniform you can have in the navy it was $850. I still have it. And I'm hanging upside down and I have my knife and I'm trying to tactically figure out how to remove myself from my seatbelt without damaging my peacoat. As I do this, I feel a river or a stream or a trickle of gasoline pouring down my neck. And then I just said, fuck it, I'll bite the bullet and maybe go to a seamstress or something to have it fixed. And I just cut away. FYI, peacoat still in mint. So I'm happy about that. And I fall out. As I fall out, the wheel's already window driver's side already has been shattered so I'm trying to crawl out a group of people come walking towards me because I landed in front of the IHOP and they're clearly drunk out of their mind they're like hey buddy are you okay and it's like great I have to deal with this as I'm trying to crawl out of here anyway they help me 
and pull me out and I stand up and I realize it's one of the Air Force personnel that I work with Estevez Alvarez I forget his name but he had like one of those pencil mustaches and he's like oh my god Bryce is that you I'm like yeah dude thanks for the save and he gives me this drunk rant to where like they're getting ready to leave the IHOP and then his wife pointed and saw me flipping around and landing across the street from them and then I was like oh cool thanks man and then he's super drunk and I'm standing there next to my car I guess I'm okay he's like cool man you good because I'm like really fucked up right now and I just want to get home I was like, yeah, man, you can take off. I'm just going to call 911 and see what I got to do. So I call 911. I call the operator. The operator answers, what is your emergency? And I say, I fell off a 410 driving. And then the operator yells at me in a very rude manner, saying, you can't fall off 410. We closed the highway. And I was like, well... I did, and you probably closed it after me. And FYI, if someone's calling for an emergency, and your first thing is to do is to yell at them, you suck as a 911 operator. And I tell them I'm fine. I do not need any medical assistance. I just need, I guess, the city tow or whatever and do all these things. And they're like, all right, we'll be there in five to 10 minutes or 15 or whatever. And I'm like, cool. And I'm waiting. And then I call my roommate to come give me a ride because at the time I was with my roommate. And as I'm waiting, I hear, because I guess there's a fire station down on Marbach somewhere. Two big-ass fire trucks coming, an ambulance, and then three cop cars. And I was like, I wonder who's that for? And then as the red lights get closer and closer to my location, I realize that it's for me. And I'm like, huh, I could have sworn I told this lady I was fine. And then I guess maybe they just picked it up anyway because they were really, really bored and had nothing else to do. they all show up and I guess they're kind of like disappointed that nothing else happened and I'm like yeah sorry about that so they get the tow there and they flip my car around and get it on its bed and drive it out and I was like oh that's pretty cool the way I landed I should have had a final destination moment and just completely obliterated my skull and upper torso because the entire driver's side was demolished the fence posting was right through the windshield and completely shattered and I don't know how my skull did not explode from it but there I was completely mint minty fresh in good condition minus some gasoline on my $850 peacoat but I was fine cop is there the fire trucks just hanging around, I guess, because they didn't want to go back to the firehouse because they were bored. Ambulance took off. The cops telling me to fill out these forms and yada, yada, yada. 
And he's like, is there anything in the vehicle that you want? And I was like, yeah, I just need my backpack. And he's like, okay. And it was stuck on something. And he just like kicks in the glass. I'm like, hey, that's my truck, bro. Well, in my mind, I mean, I didn't really care. It was completely total too. Super pissed. $400 in rims. The paint job was $800. The stereo, the CD plate was another $200. So I was like, this is a piss poor investment on my part and then the cop had me go into his car to sit and chill until my buddy showed up and he needs to fill out his report needs my insurance information the insurance lady was being retarded and I was like I don't know my freaking whatever passcode or passphrase and then why do you still have my old address and all this I was like look here's the cop go talk to him Anyway, then my roommate shows up, grabs me, go home, and I'm chilling, and then bright and early, 9 a.m., I get a knock at my door for a wonderful bill from the city of San Antonio telling me that I owe them $276 for a replacement fee for the damages incurred on their post or, and their guardrail for me falling off a 410. And because my car was impounded in their thing, it will be charging me $30 a day until I come and collect it. And if I do not pick it up within 30 days, it will then have me forfeit my title and ownership of said vehicle and it will go out on auction. Insurance took care of the bill. I said, screw it. Have the shitty vehicle. And then I was just hitchhiking for a couple of months until I got my second vehicle. This time I said, I'm going to go big and or go home. And I got a 1981 F-150 Ford Ranger XLT with a dual tank. That was a truck. It was great. Solid steel, everything. One friend coined the term of calling it a Megatron because it was just a tank. And that is the complete story of how I fell off 410 completely meant as I tell people it's in my contract I cannot die Going to some fighter picks. UFC on ESPN. Main event. Robert Whitaker, Darren Till, Shogun, Antonio Hajerio Noguera, Fabricio Vadum, Gustafson, Carla Esparza, Marina Rodriguez. Let's go over those fights. 
starting at the bottom and work our way up. Carla Esparza, Marina Rodriguez. Carla, the inaugural strawweight champion. Crafty veteran, Marina. Last fight was a draw. Didn't make weight. Especially in these COVID-19 times, hard to get solid training, dieting, nutrition, not to mention, I think they're gonna be in Fight Island again. Easy pick. Well, not all is easy. MMA math often never usually works the way you want it to, but airing on the side of the veteran. Carla Esparza, unanimous decision. I just see her taking her over, taking her down over and over and over and just grinding out a slow-paced, boring decision for your winner, Carla Cookie Monster Esparza. Next up, Fabricio Vadum against Alexander Gustafsson. Fabricio, former UFC champion, Abu Dhabi champion, black belt world champion, against Alexander Gustafsson, the quintessential number three all-time best light heavyweight. Thanks to Daniel Cromier and John Jones. If those guys weren't around, he would have definitely been champion. So now he's looking for a reboot, a fresh start in the heavyweight division. He's had one foot in, one foot out since his last couple of fights. But they don't know about his training. I know that he's gonna be working the jab in this fight. He'll be the taller person. Don't know if he'll necessarily be the bigger person. Fabrice Overdoom, if it goes to the ground, he's easily going to win. Gustafsson, if he's smart, he's gonna to wanna to keep this fight standing and try and edge out a decision win or some highlight knockout. Verdum had a couple of knockouts recently in his last five fights. In his last fight, went to a decision against a nice Russian. He was all dad bodied out. Hopefully for this fight, he's been working on his conditioning and stamina and endurance so he can win. Me, I'm a jujitsu head and I really don't know mentally where Gustafsson is going to be at. So my money is going to be Fabricio Vadum by unanimous or split decision. Old school pride fight. Shogun versus Rogerio Nogueira. Shogun's quietly been racking up some wins against some young up-and-comers who are there to take him out. So it's hard to say what's going to happen with him. And he's also been inactive for a year. His last fight was a draw. Rogerio, I believe he's been on a tear too. B 
beating up the old, uh, the young guns trying to take him. But he's come off a loss with KO punches. And if you get knocked out, it takes at least a full year for your brain to recover. And that knockout happened in May 2019. He is a legit boxer. I believe he's on the Olympic boxing team for Brazil. And Shogun is Shogun, so it's definitely going to be a nice old school slobber knocker, as JR would say, for a fight. And normally I would go with Shogun, but he has a lot of wear and tear on his body from Pride to the UFC and recently. And Rogerio fights once a year, so. I'm going to go with Nogueira on this one. And I'm going to say somebody's getting knocked out. So, Rogerio, second round knockout. Now on to the main event. Bobby Knuckles, Robert the Reaper Whitaker versus Darren Till. Darren Till, great Muay Thai fighter. Robert Whitaker, a good wrestler with a karate background, but primarily relies on his boxing. He may throw that knee oblique kick that he learned from the Romero fights, but it's pretty much in his hands the whole time. Darren Till, st standard, typical Muay Thai fighter with a little bit of a bounce. He's going to keep you at range and pick you apart which is exactly what happened with Robert Whitaker when he lost the belt to Israel Adesanya. The problem with staying at range with a bigger height-wise and lankier fighter, you're always going to be behind. That is why he lost. He stayed at range. Kelvin Gaslam was short and stocky. He took the fight to Israel and had a better result than Whitaker did. Someone who's long and lanky, take away that, that length. Make it a dirty fight. Don't be pretty. Don't be technical. Till because of his Muay Thai background is going to stay at range to set up his kicks and his, his punching is really to set up his power kicks to the body and possibly to the head. But if he sees that you're hurt, he will close that distance and go for the kill. And I do not know how long has it been since Whitaker got knocked out. And how has his training really been? And it also troubles me when a fighter says, I got the motivation back to really train. I was just burnt out. For me, knowing that someone is trying to kill me as I am them is all the motivation I need to fight. If you're saying you lost that and you had to re-find it, it tells me you really shouldn't be fighting. On the flip side of that, Darren Till is one crazy SOB. 
His mental game is what is suspect, and we do not know which Darren Till we're going to get. Are we going to get the one who's just technically and tactically picked apart Cowboy Cerrone and Calvin Gastelum? Are we going to get the one who folded against Tyron Woodley in his title shot and got knocked out by Jorge Masvidal in the UK? It's a toss-up, but I'm going to go with the guy who says he wants to fight everybody and he's coming for the belt. So my money will be on Darren Till for a unanimous decision. That's going to wrap up today's episode. I have a new Instagram handle. It is going to be Bryceside underscore BJJ. And you spell Bryce, B-R-I-C-E. So if you want to find me, that's how you find me on Instagram. Also, remember, when you post all those fitness stuff, we're still doing hashtag team all body. Get fit, get bodied up, feel good, get that confidence, find that discipline. Remember, like and subscribe. I'm available on all platforms for this podcast. Until next episode, you can always find me only on the bright side.